Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar. Today, I'm joined by Evan Jacobs, Head of Customer and Partner Marketing at Chain Analysis. Evan has been in the customer marketing space for 10 plus years, having had the opportunity to work at a number of leading B2B SaaS companies, both public and private. Evan is currently at Chain Analysis, the blockchain data platform where he looks after both customer marketing and partner marketing globally. Prior to his current role, Evan worked in similar roles at Catchpoint, Akamai, and Rapid7, building up programs from scratch at each of those organizations. Evan has received multiple industry awards for his contributions to the space, including being a 2023 CAP Award winner, the 2023 Top 100 Influencers and Strategists in Customer Marketing and Advocacy, and the 2022 Top 25 Influencer in Customer Marketing and Advocacy. Evan holds BA and MBA degrees from Columbia University and lives in Boston, Massachusetts. In this episode, Evan talked about the isolated nature of the customer marketing role, how it happens, the impact, and what to do about it. In our conversation, Evan highlights why customer marketing is both lonely and dangerous, how this isolation impacts both our companies and customers, and how to start working more cross-functionally with other teams. Evan, welcome to the All About the Customer podcast. So amazing to have you here. Thanks so much, Dan. Great opportunity. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the convo. So today we're going to be talking about customer marketers and the the loneliness, the isolation of, of this profession. And where I want to start is that you have this great analogy of the customer marketer as a fire watcher. So let's let's start off with that. Tell tell me this analogy. Yeah, you know, and it, it's funny because there was a there was there was a project something that I was I was working on a, a little while back, and I was just googling uh, what is the world's loneliest profession, right? And uh, you know, you get sometimes on Google what what you're looking for, and sometimes you don't. And uh, it basically it it shared with me the the story of of being a fire watcher, which means you're you're typically put in a very remote area. It was the, based on the story of this gentleman called um, uh, called Philip Connors, who was a former uh, Wall Street Journal editor, and he decided to flip things up and uh, and become a fire watcher. So you basically get shipped off for I think it's like five months during the summer from April to August, where you're shipped off to some national forest somewhere and you're, you're alone. You don't have like anyone with you. You're in sort of a little hut or whatever with no real, no amenities, nothing, no air conditioning. And uh, this one is in, in the Gila National Forest in New Mexico. And you're basically, your job is to stand on top of uh, this really tall tower. It's like about 60, 60 feet high seven by seven and there's some binoculars up there and you're basically looking after uh, a territory a patch of 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 land which is around a hundred thousand acres which is gigantic and your job is to basically spot in the distance you see a wisp of smoke because if you do all you can do is call it in to the command center and they could try to see if they could do something about it but the challenge there right is that you are isolated you're alone and um You've got a uh, you know five month stretch ahead of you with a, a da- there's it's and da- not only dangerous but also lonely. Sorry, not yeah because you're 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 it's dangerous because sometimes a fire can come through and it doesn't get addressed quick enough. And so, like I said, all you can do is basically throw yourself onto the ground, cover yourself with ashes, and hope the fire goes over you and doesn't consume you. So, uh, so there's the loneliness, there's the danger element, but, uh, yeah, that was an analogy that I had said and I was like, wow, all right. I, I can agree why that got that, uh, moniker for it. Where, where, when you, when you search for this, did you expect to see customer marketer as the world's loneliest profession or? Uh, you- no, I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't. And, um, because it, it should not be, but 
could be that way. And any of us might have been in that spot at one point in their career. So, um, yeah, that, that got me to thinking, hence where the analogy came through. So so, so let's dive deeper into this analogy. So I'd, I'd love to see how you think that customer marketing is like this. And I think it, I think there's a couple of key points here, right? It's it's lonely and it's dangerous, this fire watcher position. And and you feel like customer marketing is that way. So let's, let's dive into each of those things. Why, what's the lonely side of it? Sure. The lonely side is that you may be on that tower, right? Like you may be on that tower. And what's cool about it is you have really powerful binoculars, right? You can see into the distance and you could see opportunities and trends and and whatever it is so you can get really you, you can do that that's the advantage advantage of, of that height but the downside of that is that you have your, your your binoculars but you're only looking at what you can see because you're high up you're not looking at what's the other 180 degrees of, of viewpoint that that vantage that that you're missing out on so there's that element and there's the, also the element is if you are in that tower you're really isolated, you're siloed, you're not down there where conversations are happening, you're not at customer meetings, you're not at QBRs, you're not at offsites, you're not at cabs and working groups, you're not where that you need to be. So I think that's the the danger side is that you're if you're isolated, you're not well integrated with your key stakeholders internally, you're not as close as you could be with your customers and and you'll just be missing things. And also you probably won't have the backing of those teams that you'll need, right? Uh, those those various stakeholder teams from from other parts of the business. So I think it's uh, it's lonely, but it's dangerous, which which makes it less effective for you as a professional, and makes it less ultimately for the business. You're not able to probably maximize what a customer marketing role can be about and and, and should be about. But it's also not casting blame. It's easy enough for that to happen. And I might have been there. All of us might have been there at one moment, but hopefully not for long. And hopefully we can um, get down from there. And so before we get into the dangerous side, why do you feel like customer marketing gets lonely like this? I mean, I think in some ways it's natural because it's a it's a newer role in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so a lot of times people just, when a customer marketer comes in for the first time, maybe they don't really know what the customer marketer is supposed to do. But like, why, why do you feel like this role tends to be lonely? It can be lonely because you may not roll up cleanly and neatly to an existing org, right? I mean, where should it live? It's that sort of you know, million dollar question. Well, where should it report to? Where does it roll up through? And it's never really been answered, right? So I think um, most other positions for, in marketing that have that have been around for, you know, a certain period of time, there's a natural fit for them. There's people that that they roll up to. And um, and secondly, it may not be obvious if you say, hey, I'm in, I'm in demand gen, even if you're not an expert in demand gen, someone in another part of the business might know what that means. They might have a sense. But here, you, you may not. Uh, you, you may not. And you have to be uh, selling your role, selling your position, selling the value. And, and that can be lonely too, especially if that roadshow is brief, that's fine. But uh, if that roadshow has to last a long time, um, that, that can happen. So I think there's just some elements of it, but those certainly can be overcome and there's nothing that forces it to remain that way for, for any period of time, but just, just potentials and more watchouts than like it's unsurmountable. And so, so the danger side of things, I mean, you talked about the fire watcher, it's, it's, it's literally a dangerous job. I mean, I'm sure some people potentially die with this customer marketing. Why do you feel like customer marketing is dangerous? I would say it's, it's dangerous because it's a part of marketing that can sometimes be furthest away from revenue, right? Which doesn't have to be that way. And that could also be perception, not reality, but, and that can be dangerous because look, look around the industry the last, what, six, nine, 12 months, right? Like it can be hard to translate your value for people, as mentioned earlier, that may not know what it's about 
leadership team that may have less exposure to this type of uh, to this type of role in this team. That's not a place where, where any of us would want to be, you know, and uh, I don't think it has to be that way. There's nothing that, yeah, that forces it. It's just potential and how do you overcome that? So that that can be there. But so on all of us to uh, to change that perception day by day, week by week and, and over time. So let's talk about the impact of this, right? I mean, apart from a lot of the folks who are going to be listening to this being customer marketers and caring about being personally lonely, what's, what's the impact on the customer marketers, the company, and, the, and then our customers? Maybe let's take those one at a time. Like what, what's the impact to customer marketers with being isolated like this? Yeah. So first of all, you're, you want to be where the customer engagement, where that interaction's happening, right? Where, where that's happening. And that's with with your account teams, right? Whether customer success or account executives, even solutions architects, support, whoever it is who's already having those daily conversations, you want to be as close to those teams as you can. So that way, when an opportunity comes up, whatever that might look like, you're going to be their first person they're going to slack, right? Or, or you're, you're going to be on that on that list. You, you've already made those inroads. They know when and where to, to reach out. And they already have those antenna up. Because, of course, you could be outbound reminding people, hey, if you have conversations, you hear things, let me know. But you'd much rather be, and also just the scale of it, there's going to be much more account team members than there's going to be customer marketers, right? So they're they're there. And by the time that they sort of have their spidey senses up, like, ooh, they said something, they like to do something, they're just flagging it to the customer marketing team. That's pure gold versus the old way of, hey, just sending out a lot of you know, broadcast slacks and say, anyone know of anybody? It's, uh, you can do, you can also take those. Like, I think we'll take those as, as those come available. You'd much rather that sort of inbound, like you're getting people reaching out, hey, customers are open to a certain type of opportunity. And uh, that's gold, right? When you're able to break through that and you're getting AE, CSM, whoever is across the globe, they're coming to you. Like your job got instantly more fun, instantly better. The nature of customer marketing is that when you're doing it well, it should be one of the most cross-functional roles of the company. That means when customer marketers are isolated, they definitely aren't as effective as they can be. That needs to change if you want to do your job well. You ultimately want to get to, Dan, like where you can be perceived as an extension of their own team. And that, that can take time to happen. And that's not going to happen in all cases. And that's okay. Like, But when you can be perceived as an extension of their own team, you're going to get people going above and beyond, not because it's a favor to you, to the customer marketing, to marketing, but because they see it, how it can actually help with their job already. Right. So it's, and that's, and that's when you can get that, those magical moments you're getting people because it's already, they see that crossover, that overlap of those Venn Venn diagrams of like, wow, okay, they're doing this thing that happens to be for customer marketing, but oh, it's actually deepening the relationship I have with the customer. It's helping making that relationship be stickier, helping us go deeper into the account. Like that's when you get all this inbound interest and people like coming out of the woodwork and saying, hey, my customer's excited to do this or they want to do that. Can we have a conversation? And that's when you get that creativity too, because you might say, oh, my customer, for example, where I'm working now, a good amount of our customers are from the public sector. A lot of what we use from our playbook about what works for typical customers will not work for the public sector. So it requires that creativity. So you're going to need to be brainstorming with these folks. What works and who knows them best is the, the account teams. And they've 
every day working with them and they might have come from that similar background. So you want to you want to be able to, to tap into their expertise and, and and really dig in and be creative with them. As you somewhat answered this question in, in that last one, but what's the impact of the company when when our customer marketers are isolated and also just even feel isolated? They just have that perception of being isolated. I, I think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a miss because customer marketers can sometimes be free to try things out or uh, ideally are, are very free to try things out, the sort of low risk, high reward kind of experiments or, or projects that if it works well can become programmatized, institutionalized. So I think it misses out on, on just a, a whole plethora of, of opportunities that, that just might not have been experimented with. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it, it does carry that risk because you take a certain thing. Well, well who is going to be doing that, that thing X? I mean, a perfect example I, I can think of recently from experiences around uh, nominating customers for industry awards. Like who else is going to own that? Who's, who's on their radar to do that? Probably nobody. Like, it, I don't care how big your org is. You can have 20,000 people. That probably wouldn't fall in any other team's remit. Maybe it, maybe it does, and maybe there's some team that's an awards nominator. I don't know. But in my experience, like, I, I haven't seen that. So so I think it, it it can miss out on a bunch of things, things it knows about that it puts offside. Oh, we don't have anybody to work on that, or things that might not even come up just because you need to just experiment and try things and see what works. And so with this show being all about the customer... Why, why is this also bad for the customer too? Yeah, because at the end of the day, Dan, right? I mean, generally, not always, generally customers are looking for more from their vendor than just a solid piece of software or a solid solution, right? They are typically looking for that, that relationship. They're looking to go deeper. And they also chose them probably for a reason too. It's probably a competitor product. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a people business, which goes two ways. So I think... What we hear from our, where I work now, our customers say like, we love your solutions, they're amazing, but your team, it's like full stop, right? Like your your team and that expertise. So I think you miss out on some of those potential in- engagement opportunities. And of course, engagement would happen anyway, but I think it's just some supplemental additional new thing. So I think um, it's just more modern. It's how buyers want to buy. It's how end customers want to want to engage. And um especially for something that's a big part of their day, right? If, if you've got a solution that's pretty core to their day job, it's uh, key to them being able to progress, get their job done, move on to a higher, higher level within their company. Or you, 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 you earn that right through having a great product and you capitalize on that by, by providing these opportunities that they might have thought of or they might not have. Like you, you, it's, yeah, they, they're looking to be engaged. That, that's my experience. Well, and I think you're right. I mean, I think customer marketing from the business perspective, we so often think of it as it's, it's, it's good for business, right? We're, we're making customers more successful, but customer marketing when done well should also be good for the customers too. A hundred percent. It's, and if there's not that mutual value in there, then, then you're in favorville, which is not where we want to be, right? It's not going to last. You're going to run out of those favors. Even a great customer will kind of get tired of that as I know we all, we all would, right? So it, uh, you want to meet them where, where they find that value. And um, and that's what customer marketing is about, is having that that big menu, right? Having that flexible and extensible and ever-growing and expanding menu of knowing who you're working with, offering things they care about, and that they want to spend time with. Right? Their scarcest resources, their time, right? Every team is stretched in these days. I don't care what industry, right? You want to, you want to meet them where they are and <laughs> offer things that 
that you know about them that they're likely to care about and see as, wow, an opportunity. And I always talk about internally like opportunities versus favors, especially teams that are really good at pitching things like you're pitching all day long. Let's position this pitch this as an opportunity, which is what it is. It's just versus oh, favorville, right? So we don't want to be begging because we'll run out and, and people don't want to be asked for favors. They want to be presented opportunities and it's literally could be the same thing. It's just how it's packaged and how you, how you position it. This favorville place sounds like a terrible place. Let's I don't ever stay out of that world. Stay away. Customer marketers, these fire watchers, how do we come down from our towers? And, and maybe we can think about this in a couple different scenarios, or, or maybe the answer to this is the same. But I think it'd be interesting to look at this as if you had carte blanche, if you're coming into a new company, new customer marketing function, how would you set this up versus folks who are well-established at their companies, but feel like they're in this tower? So I, I don't know if they'll have two different answers or not, but if you want to take those one at a time, if they do. Probably regardless of either net new or, or, or inheriting an existing program, I think it's it's about going on a listening tour and about being humble. And it's sort of almost counterintuitive because when you start somewhere new, you want to just start cranking. I, I might have been in that scenario, like, you want to start doing and building and, and launching, but you won't know what to build or launch or do. You won't know what might be a low effort, high, high reward kind of scenario or 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 the opposite right so you don't want to build the wrong thing you launch and everyone says who needs that right a, a way to potentially avoid that is just go on that listening tour that's whether that's one-on-ones listening to customer conversations or even if anyone has like gong or other you know solution like that you can just listen in on call so especially if it's an industry or a vertical that you don't know specifically from previous previous roles you want to just be taking all that in. You want to be listening to that. You want to be taking that all in and not having necessarily, uh, yeah, you'll have a playbook that you might have used in other places and that can help guide you, but you won't know which one to start with or how to build. So um, I would really listen to your field marketers too, if you have them in the regions, right? They're really close to what's happening on the ground. What are, what are the needs? And you might start hearing some gaps. And I think that's where, you might, and that's where you might lean on your experience if you've done this before, you know, once prior is, oh, okay, I'm, I'm hearing a gap in a region or a particular vertical. And like, that's where you can start building. And I think you can earn trust internally and, you know, people that are going to be your supporters of, by just helping out in what might seem to you a, a really small way, but actually has, has that bigger impact. So I think, that listening, asking, and it, it is time intensive, right? It is sort of easy enough to just, okay, you're, you're through onboarding, so you want to just start doing some stuff. But like, it, it will come back to you because you'll also have um, people that know what you're there for, right? It's also that chance to, you're not just chatting, right? You're, you're, you're introducing yourself, but you're also, you know, kind of the therapy session. You're just hearing what, where they're struggling or where they might have and, and I think it's all about asking that golden question. You won't, they won't know like how customer marketing necessarily can help them, but you, you'll, you'll have some questions you can ask that might get them to be like sharing things. And that way you can start forming your own opinion. Like, wow, like I, I can see this team could be benefit from this program or this type of opportunity. And, um, and, and there's a big globes. My, my, our company, my company operates around the globe. We have different regions, different, different, different languages, cultures. So you got to spread yourself evenly. I think that's another thing too, is it's easy enough to just, if you're based in a certain region, you just operate there because it's simplest, you know, at best. But sometimes the further our folks are from headquarters, the more help they might need, the more customers might feel 
not as close, you know, because of distance or, or language or whatever it is. So you can also, I would say, win some, 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 some points uh, by operating and maybe beyond uh, sort of the, the scope of, of where you might naturally just look further, whether that's to a different region or somewhere else that, uh, that might not get as much love traditionally. So uh, they might appreciate that all the more. Let's dive into that more deeply. Like when when you're looking at having these conversations internally, let's start there. Yeah. What are the key teams that you would want to talk to, and then how do you go about talking? Like you know, if it's sales, like are you trying to talk to every salesperson? Are you trying to start at the top? You get somebody in the middle. Like what does that look like? So what what are the teams? Then how do you go about trying to figure out what people to talk to and have these conversations with? For for me, because the way our our teams are here is you, you have a, a field marketing manager who's responsible for region or territory. I actually tend to start there, not not the only place to start, but I, I tend to start there because they're so close and they're so co-located with the account teams that they have a really good pulse on what works in the region, what has been working, where things we've tried that you might want to avoid, or maybe things that we've tried that worked well and you want to continue to build on. So I would say start with them and they can actually be a, a, a guide point of pointing you in some other directions. They might say, wow, there's a, there's a product manager that's out here that, that really is just working on some cool stuff you might want to get connected with. So maybe that wouldn't be many people's first guess of what how I might answer that question, but I've relied on my field team. They're just so so in tune. They're so they're so close with what's happening on the ground that they'll um, they'll shoot you straight right there. Uh, they're not going to butter up. They're going to tell you what works, and because uh, they're the ones that's almost like a mini, you know, general manager for their region. They're they're looking after that that whole that whole region, and so they're they're wearing sort of multiple hats. They're not just about events. They're not just about that. They're looking after so many different things, the field teams. And I feel like they're such a resource that can, um, that can help you out and, uh, and point you and give you guidance. Hey, this is in my same region. There's these three others. I suggest talk to them. Another one I would say, which is also not so common. Maybe if you're thinking is I would say also sometimes the, 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 the training teams, they're onboarding customers. They're equipping them on the solutions. They're 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 just hearing so many things, and they're also typically on the ground in a region, right? So they're they're delivering locally. So um, I would say that was another one that maybe wouldn't be so traditional team to to work with, to to connect with early, but I think that would be that'll be another potential option. And what do those conversations look like? Like, what are you tending to ask them? What are you trying to uncover? What the culture is in the region, where the customers like to engage. And then, yeah, just what, what, what works, what, what sort of something that the region doesn't care about, might say, hey, like this region, they don't like doing anything virtual. You know, certain region, like, like, hey, like if you're thinking about launching something and you don't really have the budget to be in person, let, wait till you do. You know, they might say, hey, there's no, there's no reason people won't show up virtually. You won't get that level of engagement. And another team, which I mean, I would be remiss like of course customer success i mean that's probably everyone's first guess and i would probably you know say, say that say that's right as well they're they're i didn't want to say that first because maybe it was everyone won't say that but um i i think that's a that's a that's a can't miss and connecting with your customer success team they're they're the closest and they're i think there's just so much of that commonality that customer marketing customer success sh- should have and, and ultimately can and do have this listening tour Evan's talking about is great. If you're just starting out, 
and genuinely want to work cross-functionally, you need to listen and learn about the value you can provide to other teams. But it's also probably a good opportunity for it to be a selling tour as well. A lot of people don't understand the value customer marketing can bring and might assume your listening tour is just that you can understand how to leverage their teams. But this is a perfect opportunity to sell these various teams on the value of customer marketing and what you're going to do for them. But perhaps selling is too strong of a word here. Yeah, so I think selling happens best when you're not selling or when you're not perceived as selling, right? So when you're, it's like at a cocktail party, if you don't know what to say, ask people questions about themselves, right? So you, you start that way, but ultimately I, I find it, talking about what's worked well in the past and saying, you know, would that resonate here? Would that be something we can work on together? How do you think we should start? I would say also giving people the ability to mold some things. You don't like to come so like greenfield, like, hey, let's build it. People say, hey, that's your job to build that. But if you sometimes come with something that's too polished and ready to go, they'd be like, oh, okay, like I could have helped, you know, shape. So I, so I think it's coming with some semi-formed ideas that you can run with. You can say like, here's something I tried in my old job. Like, do you think that would work here? And you'll, you'll get to quickly know if, if that's a person that's an early or mid or, or late adopter to these type of programs. And just by the 80-20 rule, most people will be, come back to me a little bit later, that's fine. But you'll also get to see who are your early adopters and people that are typically either established, they've been around, or people that are just so new and they're fired up and they just kind of come in all fresh. So uh, you won't know who those early adopters are going to be other than, yeah, you're, you're pitching, but you're, you're, you're not because you're not proactively selling something. You're, you're, you're listening and you're, you're planting those seeds and you, you may come back to those ideally. You know, hey, remember that thing we talked about? Like now, now we're ready. And um, you'll know who your early adopters will be. And Everything that I've done here in my current job in the last two and a half years has sort of started as a pilot. You know, you started as a pilot. You start where you think you have support. If it works, you continue to grow it. If not, it was a great experiment, and you 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 move on to something else. So it's uh, I think you'll you'll the purpose of those really is yeah, as you mentioned, selling, but it's that super soft selling where you're not where you're not trying to push a rock up a hill. You just, hey, you have this program built, and you're trying to find someone who wants it. You're you're sort of co-creating it together that way and they have more skin in it that way. It feels like it's theirs versus all oh, this thing marketing owned. They asked me to do, I'll, I guess I'll do it. So same subtle difference, but big difference ultimately. And so beyond that initial listening tour that you're doing, how are you continually making sure that you're not going back up that tower and continuing to work with these teams? Like what are the kind of check-ins that you have with yourself or how do you think about that? I would say stay close to their team. In other words, be willing to sacrifice a little bit, even if it means um, getting up at you know 4.30 a.m. once a quarter to join uh, the EMEA team call because it's a convenient time for them. And, and, people act, and people will appreciate that. They'll remember. And it doesn't mean you actually have to get up at 4.30 a.m. It means you can do something that feels like that. I mean, uh, I had a previous one a couple months ago where we're asked to be on something that I know I'm not great at 4 a.m. So um, but I said, it was actually, can I pre-record something and they'll just play it at that time and actually did that and actually worked really well. So people know the effort went in, you're able to be sharp and then people could follow up. So it's you're you're so I would say stay close to their team, stay close to the leaders, get on their agendas every so often, share updates, but also just be willing to, to linger in the background and just hear some things and um, 
you won't know when that when that awesome idea will, will spark based on based on your listening. So stay visible. And I mean, I'm sure it's 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 obvious, but like don't be in the background. Like don't assume or yes, it'd be great. We talked about that inbound to you, but always be humble, always be willing to join those calls. And if you're not asked, then ask, right? Uh, some people might might forget. And um, and because also you're, you're, you're only one person or maybe a small team, whatever it is, you say, oh, there's so many calls, but they're important. If you can't at least catch, catch the replay. But um, I, I would say stay close to those teams and um, you'll find that that will pay back in, in multiples. I love that. The wrap-up question that I ask to everyone on the show for our listeners at home, if they could take one step to be more in the direction of being customer centric, what's that one step that they could take today, tomorrow? I'd say one is become customer fluent, being able to share some anecdotes about your customers that folks might not have known or might not have seen packaged that way and find a way to, to cascade those, whatever channels work for your company, if it's on Slack or whatever it is. And so people raise your hand to share those stories if you need, right? Like if you have an all hands call, find a way to share that. And it's not even about you or about the program. It's inspiring for folks, especially the further they are away from a customer, they may not talk to them on a daily basis. Those stories are maybe not shared enough and it doesn't have to be mind bending. It can be sure if you've got them, but even, even just a small anecdote about a customer where you got some great feedback or they shared something or they talked about how your company helped them, especially if it's kind of a heartwarming story, like some of the work we do helps, you know, law enforcement, other agencies do really great work for their citizens. Like share, share an anecdote, share a story. And, um, and then ultimately you can compile those and, you know, you'll, you'll have a lot of those, but, um, I, I think it's, even if they're not publicly usable, it's okay. Even for internal usage, like find a find a story, find an anecdote, and um, and and find a way to share it that's meaningful. Because um, don't assume everyone knows every story, right? Especially for folks maybe in legal or finance or, or some other areas, they might not get exposed to those as much. Then um, share it with them and and be that person, um, you know, that can have those in their back pocket if if they need it for for future. So that customer fluency, I think, will be really helpful. I love that. Well, Evan, this has been terrific. I hope that the, the customer marketers at home are going to feel a little bit less lonely, a little bit less in danger uh, for, from, from the tips that you've shared. So thanks so much for being on the show. Got it. Thank you. Customer marketing can be a lonely profession. Maybe not the world's loneliest. I don't think I'm going to sign up to be a fire watcher anytime soon, but the work can be isolating. Customer marketing is a new role and a lot of people in other departments might not understand the impact you can have. Or worse, they might assume you're only there to take without giving. But customer marketing, when done well, is one of the most cross-functional roles of the company. When it's isolated, it's simply less effective. It also can't bring the value to the company or to the customer. And it can also put your job security at risk. This has been the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influitive. I've been your host, Dan Kalmar. Until next time, stop watching for fires and go down into the woods. Unless you're an actual fire watcher, then please stay up there. That's, that's important work.